Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. Continuing my series focusing on some of my favourite producers, which I've visited and which have really inspired me and altered and changed my opinion of different regions, uh, we go to Uruguay, and the producer is Alto de la Bajena. Uruguay is a small country, of course, and one that gets overshadowed by its big neighbour Argentina, as well as Chile as well. But it is a country with um, a fierce pride in its culture, and in its wines, and in its food as well. And a very uh, fun country to go and visit, because it is so small. They're very open to visitors, and they're really helping them explore the country. And the reason I choose Alta de Bajena as my favourite producer in Uruguay goes back um, to the UK when I used to sell uh, one of their wines, which is their Tanat Viognier blend. And it was a wine which has just stood out for being so unusual, a blend of Tanat with Viognier. I don't know of anyone else who does that. And it's a fabulous wine. Big, fruity, tannic, powerful, but very floral and perfumed as well. Uh, the Viognier really adding to the blend and not just for... Um, its uniqueness, but also because it does uh, really lift the aromatics of the wine. And so when I visited Uruguay three years ago, three and a half years ago now, I had to go and visit Alto de Vergena and find out more about this blend and this wine and the producer in general. And they are based in a region which has been planted for a hundred years, but when they um, went there, all those plantings had um, disappeared. And so it was a new region, it's called Maldonado, and they were the first people to plant there, and they spent quite a few years uh, researching where to plant in Uruguay, where was, where was the best place. And they settled on Maldonado, because it's very near the coast, it's only about 15 kilometres, and you can see the bay from the vineyards, that's why it's called Alto de la Bajena, which means um, Height of the Whale, and that's the name of the, the, the bay that you can see. And like most of Uruguay's um, vineyards, uh, the, the climate is maritime, so it's quite similar to Bordeaux, in that it can rain during the during the summer, and rain can be an issue, and so it requires a lot of hard work to um, get healthy grapes, good canopy management, and planting in the right spots. It gets fairly warm here, 29 to 30 degrees C during the summer, but cools down quite a bit at night, so good growing conditions. And the property is on um, hills which overlook the bay, and the soils have good drainage, which is important when it is a maritime climate. So who is Alto de Lopagena? Um, it's Paula Pivel and Alvaro Lorenzo, and they weren't in the wine industry, but were. Uh, Paula has a degree in engineering, for instance. But they wanted to leave what they were doing and start making wine, so in 2000 they bought this property. So Maldonado is about two hours east of the capital Montevideo, so a bit more of an Atlantic exposure than some of the vineyards which surround Montevideo, so a bit more of a maritime climate here, more exposure to the Atlantic Ocean. And in 2001, after they bought the property, they planted Merlot and Cabernet Franc. In 2002, they planted Tanat. And 2004, they planted Syrah and Viognier. And their first harvest was 2005, and their first release in 2007. So a seven-year project from buying the property to releasing their first wine. And it is quite ambitious to set up a winery in Uruguay, a country which doesn't have a strong international presence. But they have been successful, and now it's 20 years since they since they bought the property. And there is a good domestic market in Uruguay uh, for, for wines in general. Consumption is high, higher even than Argentina. And so there's a good domestic market. And then Brazil is a big market as well for Uruguayan wines, um, as is the case for Argentina too. 
In fact, when I visited the property, there was a Brazilian couple there who just turned up wanting to try the wines. So Brazil's a very important market. And they do have a partnership with a Swedish couple as well. So the wines are available in Sweden. And I hope they're still available in the UK. And they do hope to come to the US, but I haven't seen them yet, unfortunately. In Uruguay, Tanat is the most important grape variety, even though it probably doesn't make the best wines of Uruguay, but this has become the signature variety of Uruguay, as Malbec is to Argentina. And so because Uruguay um, is a small country, it needs that signature variety for people to uh, associate the country with, so they can identify a style and associate it with Uruguay. So you have to you have to have Tanat, and and Paula said if you want to sell Uruguay wines abroad, it must be Tanat, and so they have to have it. But they don't make a single varietal Tanat. They believe it doesn't really work on its own because it's a bit too tannic, a bit too robust. Um, but it is very good in a blend whether it's the dominant variety in the blend or um, just contributing to that blend. And so this, that unusual example, which I've already mentioned, Tanat Viognier, is 85% Tanat and 15% Viognier. So a fun take on the Northern Rhone. And this is the wine that they're most famous for. And they've been co-fermenting co Tanat and Viognier since 2008. So it's not something they did from the beginning. It's more something they just experimented with because they had Viognier on the property. And they've only started making Viognier quite recently. Uh, 2016 was their first single varietal Viognier. In Uruguay's climate, there's obviously Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc, and they work very well, but I think the best two white varieties are Viognier and Albarino, and they have Viognier planted. So they planted it in 04, uh, just a very small amount, because they anticipated blending it with Syrah, and then they started blending it with uh, Tanat instead, and now they're making it on its own. And it's got a mineral texture, stone fruits, not overly ripe, quite restrained, refreshing and salty, that saline influence coming from the nearby sea, perhaps. The Tanat Viognier blend, black fruit aromas, very floral, ripe, it's quite voluptuous, but it's got a really fresh acidity and supple tannins as well, very textured and spicy, quite a delicious wine. They also make a rosé, 75% Merlot, 25% Cabernet Franc, with 12 hours skin contact. Quite unusual, quite deep in its colour, with the aromas of tomatoes and greenhouse and cucumbers and fruit salad and nectarines, but very refreshing and spicy and herbal as well. Quite distinctive rosé. And then they also have Tanat in another blend, the Tanat Merlot Cabernet Franc. And this is about 50% Tanat, 35% Merlot and 15% Cabernet Franc. And this really, uh, this brings the best of all the uh, different grape varieties together. So a mixture of red and black fruits, it's quite smoky and spicy, ripe again. So Uruguay's climate is ripe, is warm enough to get these fruit ripe, but that goes cool nights and this ocean influence maintain the acidity. And what I get with uh, tannat-based wines is really herbal characteristic to them, um, and that's true of this wine. And then there's the single varietal wines which don't focus on tannat. So there's Cabernet Franc, which is quite green and herbaceous. Um, perhaps a cross between Bordeaux and the Loire Valley. They also make a Merlot, which is maybe the, my favourite of their wines. Um, I think Merlot is a great variety which works best in Uruguay, even though it's more famous for Tanat, I think Merlot works the best. And just thinking that Uruguay's climate is quite similar to Bordeaux's, it's perhaps no surprise that Merlot makes the best wines, because Merlot is the most planted grape variety in Bordeaux. And so the climate of Uruguay more like the right bank, Saint-Emilion Pomerol, than the left bank. And so Merlot working better than Cabernet Sauvignon, which can struggle to get ripe in Uruguay. And then there's the Syrah, which is called Cetus. And um, Paula views this as their flagship wine. They think it's their, their best, the one that really expresses the site the best. 
um, though I still go with the Merlot. But this is the Syrah is quite opulent, but again, balanced by a refreshing acidity, and it's quite peppery as well as one would expect from Syrah. And this is a great variety that they're quite excited by, as I as I mentioned, and so they have planted more on their property, something that they're still exploring their property, which they bought 20 years ago, and discovering which grape varieties work best, and in which part of the property they work best. The size of the property is about 20 hectares. And then there's also a Cetus Cuvée, which is a blend, 40% Merlot, 55% Cabernet Franc, and 5% Syrah. And this is a really lively wine, really high acidity, very fresh, with ripe tannins as well, kind of mushroom aromas as, as the wine matures. The wines I was trying back in 20, uh, the end of 2016 were mainly from the 11 and 12 vintages, so as an example of those wines... Um, can mature quite nicely that they have the structure maintaining their fruitiness but also maintaining their tannic structure and acidity. So Alto de Bajeno is a very exciting project, still quite a new one. Uh, Paula and Alvaro are very passionate and enthusiastic and really um, working to make the best wines that they possibly can that express the site of this region which is only recently been rediscovered. Some other producers have followed Paolo and Alvaro into the Maldonado region, so it's an interesting one to look out for because it's a little bit different from the other regions which are located around the capital city of Montevideo. So hopefully those wines will get exported more, and in general, look out for Uruguayan wines. They can be quite interesting and quite different from Argentina. The two should not be confused. There's a big difference and distance between the two countries and their wine-growing regions. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.